year and a half of trying to market an apartment that was a ch- one of the most in our careers, probably the most challenging apartment in our careers. And the seller had been loyal to us and they're going to buy another apartment with us. And Mr. Seller said, John, at the end of the day, I'll take this hit, which is so far further than where we are. Would you consider taking a hit on your side? And you know what I said? Without a doubt, absolutely. We value you tremendously. We're going to keep going together. They said, put the deal together and we closed the transaction. We never looked back. Welcome to the John and Jonathan Sell NYC podcast, where experienced expert New York City real estate brokers, John Gastaska and Jonathan Conlon, break down what's happening in the market, what you need to know whether you're a buyer, seller, or agent, and their insight into the future with a little bit of fun along the way. In this episode, John and Jonathan are explaining everything you need to know about real estate commissions, how they work in New York City, and why you should never try to go it alone. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the John and Jonathan Sell NYC podcast. It is now another Friday, and Mr. Conlon, good afternoon to you. How are you, sir? My week was good. You know, we're, uh, we, of course, record these uh, earlier, and, and so this week, which was actually last week, today, how do we <laughs> talk about it? I don't even know, but we had the big snowstorm. So this week, we had some snow days, or last week, we had some snow days, whatever you want to say. Huge. Uh, Huge, huge deluge of snow. Um, uh, and I am finally recovered from shoveling. Uh, I don't know, the, the two feet of snow or whatever we got out here in Forest Hills. So uh, I, I'm happy to be past that. We had a little snow day and my, my daughter actually had, uh, uh, she worked, was in school remotely all week. So, uh, which actually eases up my schedule a little bit because I don't, you know, don't take her to school in the morning and it kind of helps it be a little bit relaxed. But, you know, one of the beautiful things about New York City is we actually, when there's a snow day, like when you're a kid and you get this day off school or whatever here, if we have a snow day, like everybody takes the snow day other than those essential workers that have to, you know, go in and such. But it's a very, you know, and of course we're in COVID time, so it's wackadoo anyways. But, um but even in, in normal times, the city like shuts down during, if it's, if we're getting a huge snowstorm. So uh, it's nice. It's uh, and the city's beautiful for that small window of time between Dunning. when the snow hits and before it's traipsed through and it turns into a muddy slushy slush bucket. Like it is so, now. Like it is now. Yeah. So, uh, so it was a, it was a good week. We, uh, you know, also, I was I was out to tell the day. audience exactly. You worked your butt off this week. Well, all day yesterday, and I left here at I don't know eight o'clock in the morning, and I didn't get home until seven o'clock at night. And it's the first time I've been in the city for that length of time, all in one day, because I've been trying to you know keep my days more uh, more in the meat of the day, and I'll go in for five or six hours. So. Uh, and it, you know, it was oddly nice to kind of just have a totally jam-packed day. And I got to see you for the first time in quite some time, uh, work in from a working standpoint, uh, since you're back you all with your, your minimized boot. That was my huge news yesterday. I got my boot off of my foot and I am now officially, hold on one second. Ow. It's still a, it's still a boot, bud. Still a boot. I got a, my, my foot. 
I am officially back and I had my little shoe boot on and I made it. I dressed for success yesterday. We saw each other three different times. We met with one seller. We saw two other apartments that we are going to list. And um, it was a great day. It was a little sore. My foot was a little sore yesterday, but, and then I worked first thing this morning too. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling well, for great. somebody like yourself, I'm sure. Uh, it was torture. You know, it was torture laying, sitting around and even though you were working, but uh, just sitting around and being confined to a space. And the first uh, week I couldn't even move. I didn't, couldn't right. move legs. So it's like, I had to ring a bell. Anyway, so, but it was a good right, week. And the market, you know, we got market stats. I think this is very important too, to talk about now. The big news in, in our industry is that the contracts have been up substantially the last weeks of January. So surpassing last year, the biggest start since 2014, the start of the year. And that's great. Now, pricing is down. We don't know how far those contracts are off of the asking prices, but- yeah. It's a big lesson for sellers that if we, if they are marketing the apartments and we're counseling all the sellers, you can sell your apartment. It's just got to be where the market responds to it. So you got to go to the marketplace. So pricing is key, but that's hopeful for Manhattan because with the new vaccine coming out, the vaccines coming out and more people getting vaccinated, there's great hope in the city. So with that, we thought that today would be a very good day to talk about none other than what? Broker commissions. How's that for a topic? You know, the, the dreaded broker commission, because everybody thinks, oh, you guys make too much money. Well, let me tell you something, folks. This is not the case. We make everything. We just don't open doors, right? So we're going to talk about commissions. But what at least are- we do open doors, which in many other markets you do not. You know, even the exactly. agents, the seller's agents don't show the the houses, mostly houses in those markets. They have a lockbox and they have, you know, they just, if their buyer's working with an, another broker, they'll say, okay, here, here here's the code. Go exactly. and uh, open it up yourself, which I, I still find weird. And I'm, of course, that's because- Highly impersonal. Yeah, it's highly impersonal. You're also just having total strangers in your house, your house. all the time, which I, I mean, they don't know where the light switches are and they don't know like doesn't make any sense about the house. It's just yeah. it's, it's a little odd to me that people sell their houses that way. But anyways, so so let me just open up with that. We're going dif- to talk about different aspects of a broker commission, but then just to explain that the commission is for services rendered. Okay. It's money that's paid off of the sale price of the apartment. So when a piece of real estate trades and it's paid by the seller of the home. So Mr. and Mrs. Seller, we are your real estate agents and this is our fee. So it's either a percentage of the sale price or it could be a flat fee depending on the marketplace or the structure of the, of the uh, commission. Yeah. And that we rarely, is- I mean, I don't know if we've ever done a flat fee scenario maybe with a seller that we've you know worked out some agreement with because there was multiple deals involved or something like that but where we just end up with a flat number but I think once in my career when I assisted uh, another broker that we had to create a, a flat fee for the seller because it was a, a tenuous negotiation and it was <clears throat> it was 
it was not going well. And so we created a flat fee. I think that vaguely remember it, but for most part, it's a, it's a percentage of the commission, a percentage of the sale price, and it's for services rendered. So I say that because, um, and then for the services rendered, the brokerage house, so in our case, the Corcoran Group, we make very clear to the seller what is included in that fee. You know, so it's just uh, simply everything from marketing costs of the home to um, to uh, services rendered, as we said, opening, opening, meeting people. We have to be at every single showing, negotiating the transaction, and then closing the transaction. But it can take all different things can be included in that. Everything yeah. from minor amounts of staging, et cetera, et cetera. So flowers, you name yeah. it, we've done it. Yeah, in a nutshell, it's in every bro every agent is different. And there's one thing I wanted to mention is the difference between the word agent and the word broker. So we use the word broker, uh, you know, as a an agent basically interchangeably. But broker really is for us Pam Liebman, the CEO of the Corcoran Group. For Douglas Elliman, it's Howard Lorber. For you know, uh, Compass, it's Leonard Steinberg, you know, whoever is heading up that firm, the lead broker. So John and I both were the two different licenses. Ron Hall Stevens, Bess Friedman. <laughs> right. Bess Friedman. Best Friedman. Right. Don't want to forget Bess. We love that Bess. We miss Bess. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but uh, it's a different level of licensure. So uh, like you or I have our broker's license. We could go start our own firm and call it the Gazdaska Conlon team if we wanted to, um, if we wanted to take on that. <laughs> That's John's real estate or John, the job. John, 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 John Realty. <clears throat> I like that. You heard it here first. So the seller signs an agreement with a particular agent, you and okay. I, for instance, that works for a brokerage house, in our case, the Corcoran Group. Um, and the Corcoran Group is the agreement is with the Corcoran Group, and it allows us to, uh, it basically stipulates. John and Jonathan at the Corcoran Group is representing them in the sale of their home. And if that home is sold, we are due a commission in the amount of five to six percent. Five to six percent is the standard amount based on a couple of things, which we'll talk about. Um, and, and it's due at the closing table. Um, and we have a separate agreement with all of so Rebney, the Real Estate Board of New York. Uh, which one of their biggest responsibilities is to dictate how brokers interact with one another here in the city. And all the big firms are Rebney members, Real Estate Board of New York, member. it's a membership um, that we pay annually. And basically what that says is any Rebney member that has a listing agreement signed with a seller, if another Rebney member, another broker or agent comes in and they are representing the buyer, we do what's called co-broking that listing and they're due 50% of whatever the agreed amount commission is. So I have a question. Uh, yes. Yes, John. Um, because you're very good at this. Uh, Jonathan, John, John, what happens if the, if the buyer does not have an agent? So if the buyer does not have a representative, uh, so we have something here called an agency disclosure form, which is mandated by the state. It's a New York state uh, form that everybody has to sign off on, regardless of whether you're being represented by uh, an agent or not. 
typically what happens, and in this, this is the scenario every single time we've sold uh, to uh, somebody without an, a representative, is they sign that form acknowledging the fact that they do not have a representative in this transaction. And, but we still owe them fair and honest dealings. We can't, you know, we still have to conduct ourselves ethically um, uh, and according to the, uh, the REBNY guidelines. And, uh, but basically anything they say we can and will use against them in a negotiation. For instance, the way I explain it to people is if a buyer was to come in without a representative and they were to say, hey, Jonathan, I, I wanna buy this apartment. Um, and it's listed for a million dollars. I'd be willing to pay the million dollars for it, but I'm going to make an initial offer of $900,000 to your seller. I could go to my seller and say, well, listen, they told me they'd pay a million dollars for it. They'd pay the asking price, but they're going to make an opening offer of 900,000. So I could use that against them. And I could have the seller just stay at a million dollars. And then the buyer presumably would just come up to the price. So that's the real caveat is that you just have to know that A, we have to give them fair and honest dealings, but B, they don't want to necessarily tell us everything um, because our fiduciary responsibility is still to the seller, um, but it does not get us around any ethics or you know code of ethics that we have to abide by. I think that it's extremely important right now to talk about because you explain the difference between a, a, a buyer coming with a co-broke or a buyer coming on their own without representation. The buyer misconception, first of all, the seller of the home pays the commission. Yes. And our commission is the responsibility of the seller to pay. It is not the buyer's responsibility to negotiate our, trans, our, our commission. You understand? So a buyer who comes with no representation thinking that they are going to get a better deal with us, the listing broker, versus coming with an agent is a misconception. We've handled countless transactions where we've been on the list side of the transaction and we've, we've met buyers who do not have representatives, who then we've represented in subsequent transactions. They bought the home and then they used us to sell that and they've become clients. I love that. Trust me, come to me if you're direct. Come to me, please. We want the directs. We want the directs. But no, like you said, 98% of rarely happens. are with agents. So we always have to remember that we're selling for the seller. That's who we work for. We don't work for ourselves. Is it great to get a little bit more of the pie? Sure. But we've always built our business on servicing of the client, selling the apartments like Barbara Corcoran taught long ago, sell them and get, get them on. Move, move, move. And you make it up on the volume of the transactions. And we have a, a really... We have a very good track record of doing that. Now, and it's not just a clean windfall. You know, there's a lot of work that the buyer's agent has to do. Yes, sir. Um, so if the if the buyer's not being represented by an agent, we have Don't a lot work. more work to do because the sure. word application process, et cetera, which we'll get into. But um, but yeah, it's 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 not just this like, oh great, same amount of work, twice the money. There's a lot of hand holding, there's a lot of stuff. And at the, listen, at the end of the day, buyers need to to work with an agent that they feel comfortable with, that they can trust. And if that agent is not, uh, if it is, happens to be the listing agent of the apartment, well, then so be it. And, you know, you and I have a very good track record for, uh, for doing the, the, like you said, representing 
the seller in a transaction, a direct buyer comes in, and then ultimately that direct buyer becomes our client as well. And we sell the sure. apartment for them some five, seven years, 10 years later, um, or, uh, or that doesn't work out and we go and we sell them something else. But yeah, but that's all about the agent experience and whether somebody, you know, feels comfortable with that scenario. I mean, at the end of the day, buyers need to work with a representative if that's what they want. If they want somebody that's in their corner, you and I are fair. We're honest. We're, you know, we're very upfront about everything. We're very uh, generous with our time with people. And, you know, I think that's certainly come back to help us um, in these sort of direct situations, but it, it, it's few and far between. We certainly don't count on it. I'll tell, I'll, I'll say, and I know you'll agree with me. If we're working on a transaction with another broker that knows what they're doing and has a good relationship with their, with their buyer, I am more than happy to co-broke a listing. You know, like it, it takes so much off of us to be like, okay, let's get this in contract. And now you do all the work wrapped around the board application and like keeping their expectations in line. Um, of course, it's much worse. And we've had the instance a few times where the buyer's agent really doesn't know what they're doing. And we end up doing their job as well and having to train them on how to do things. Uh, how to do the board application. How, and sometimes, it, you know, listen, we all don't know. We're all green at some point. Like nobody jumps into this business and knows everything, much like any other industry. So, and, and you and I enjoy um, training people and talking people and educating people, even if that's another agent. You know, we've had very developed very good relationships with our, our agent friends, and sometimes it works where, you know what, an agent comes in, yeah, they don't know everything. And we, we help them through the board application phase. And now we have a good, strong relationship with that agent who very well may go on uh, to do uh, another deal with us down the road. And we have a lot of good faith with that. Sure. And we also so, we want to wrap the transaction up. We want to get it closed. So and we've had other of those situations where they're horrible people. And yeah, we have them all. a long time and still don't know what they're doing. So let me ask you this. And this is, I guess, the big question that will be on people's minds when we talk about commissions. First of all, the misconception is that the brokers make too much money and all we do is open doors and blah, blah, blah. The, and, and, and that they're constantly coming after the brokerage community. And I think that that's a misconception, first of all, but that you pay, in my opinion, for what you get. And a lot of sellers are naive because they're going to pay whatever the fee is uh, without really receiving the full benefit. Now, in our case, we pride ourselves and we uh, will charge a seller anywhere between, depending on the price point of the apartment, we're a full service brokerage. So all of the marketing costs of the home get absorbed through the Corcoran Group, as well as our time, our expertise, our ability to qualify buyers, our ability to close transactions, to facilitate the transaction and ultimately get the apartment sold for the seller. So are commissions negotiable, I would ask you? And typically, how much do we charge a seller for our services? 6%, especially on apartments up to around the $2 million range, but it changes. It depends on 
the market at the time, you know, uh, it, it depends on our relationship with the, with the client. Um, like you said, very adequately, uh, it, you get what you pay for. And, you know, one of the challenging things in this business is sticking to our guns in terms of, uh, the commission that we charge and, and valuing our time and expertise, because that's, it's an intangible thing. The way I, uh, I will talk to people that, you know, maybe not necessarily uh, current clients, but past client, like uh, new clients that come about is, you know, you have to think of the real estate agent as somewhat of an insurance policy. Um, you know, you're, you're hiring us to guard against pitfalls. And how do you know what the pitfalls are or what the challenging things are that can come about in a real estate transaction if you don't have a lot of experience right now cumulative i mean between the two of us we've handled you know probably close to a thousand transactions would be my guess i don't know what you did prior to our partnership but you know we've got four or five hundred together i've got 350 before that so i'm at 750 800 transactions yeah, we're, we're there we're there at a thousand yeah, yeah you're at easily had a couple hundred before we met um or roundabout so you know that you there's so many it's such a challenging and mm -hmm. complicated process here and listen do we have transactions that we put together and everything goes according to plan feels quite uh, few and far between these days in particular, but yes, they do happen. Um, and then we have $300,000 transactions that we end up spending, you know, uh, 120 hours on and, and making no money. And, you know, so it all, e the hope star is that it all evens out in the end. Um, and you try to have as many easier transactions as you can, but, they're very, very uh, uh, few and far between, and especially in the current market that we're in. So our standard commissions, five or 6%. Um, sometimes brokers will, uh, will structure it so that if somebody comes without an agent, there is a slight discount there, but that's never more than a percent. Um, and ultimately that, that should not really make a big difference. I think the benefit from the listing side when the the buyer comes direct is that we have direct contact with those people um, and it it really allows us to keep our finger on the pulse of the transaction and keep everybody informed rather than having another person that's sort of in between us and the buyers so there's benefits to the transaction itself um, but it really depends on the players involved um, yes and also from the from the seller when the I feel seller, like I was all over the place there. You no, know, when the seller meets with the broker, it's extremely important that the broker discloses, well, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, this is our fee, and this is what we are going to do to earn that fee. Because it, anybody can just say, oh, well, this is what we charge. Okay, well, what am I going to get for that? You know, right. and so the seller has to has to really take responsibility and. And there's so often that, I mean, we're dealing with somebody right now and they said, well, you know, in hindsight, they promised us something that they did not deliver. Well, we don't like to do that. Yeah. You know, we, we were men of our word and we, we pride ourselves on that and it's come back to us. Yeah. So, so you have yeah. all the intangibles, which are our experience, our 
temperaments, our relationships, our, you know, blah, 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 how much fun we are. Cause I mean, For the most, you're a lot of fun. I don't, I don't know. I am so much fun. It's so much funny. Fun. Me, eh, you know, I'm all right, but you're you, fun when you get, fun. when you get going, you're really fun. When I get going, but then there's the tangibles, which are, there's a wide array of what, uh, what agents offer because it's not really dictated by the brokerage house that they work for. It's not like Kirk Corcoran tells us what to do when it comes to marketing these apartments. They offer us options and every brokerage house has little variances on those options in terms of you know, who you can take your pictures with and video with and blah, blah, blah. But there's no stipulation that we spend X amount of dollars on any particular listing. That's up to us. We're the, we're the, the captains of the ship, so to speak. And we decide where to spend those marketing dollars. So you're paying us for our expertise as to what that marketing plan entails. Um, so that's a big variation. I always tell people, I'm surprised that when sellers, like all the time we're meeting with sellers that inter are interviewing multiple agents at different firms or the same firm or whatever. And I'm surprised that they don't go back and look at the other listings that the agents have on the market. Cause I've asked sellers and they don't, they don't do that. Like look at the marketing, the pictures and the floor plans and the videos that, agents are doing. I'm proud of what we've created. I'm proud of the marketing Absolutely. Uh, uh, on our properties. Of course, our some video of content are, is really exceptional and it's yeah. our, our marketing, our photography, our, our, our copy, everything is top notch. And that's what yeah. you're paying for in a full service broker. Yeah. And, and I would just to wrap up the, the percentage of commission, the, the, it's important, I think, to recognize yeah. also that each instance is going to be different. It's not, oh, this apartment, we're going to take a 6%. This apartment, we're taking a 5%. No, it involves relationship. It involves our tenure with the client or or, or is it someone new? It, a full range. It, it depends on the competition as well. And, a and lot how challenging to sell that apartment it is. You know, like correct. we've had some apartments that were, were like, oh my goodness, we have to do this we've got to do that and it's going to be it's going to take a tremendous amount of our time and energy and you know so we we have to value that like i said that's one of the very challenging things is figuring out the value of our time and expertise um and you know sometimes i'd like to charge eight percent there has been instances no president you and i before our team became much larger that we said we are we charge six percent is that negotiable? No, our fee is 6%. And you know why? Because we recognized everything that you just said, the challenge of that environment. And we both walked out of the listing agreement and we said, what did we say? I don't think we got it. We stuck our ground, but we're, we, we recognized our time value of our, of our money. Like yeah. we're worth that in order to get that challenging apartment. And then there have been other instances where we're like, we want that, this apartment Okay, we will we will make this concession up front. So that brings me to concessions. So yeah. concessions can take place in different ways. And we call them concessions versus rebates because the seller pays the fee. And then, but there are instances where, let's say, a buyer of yours that you've worked with for many, many, many years is buying an apartment. And there becomes a hurdle in the negotiation where um, something happens and the seller is not, they're not going to get the apartment. 
they're just not going to get the apartment unless they come up to this price and your buyer is not there and you have a valued relationship that you built for many, many, many years. That's whenever one of us will come to the other and be like, this is not going to happen. This is what I think we should do possibly to bridge the gap on our side. Now, are we bridging 6%? Absolutely not. This is on the buy side. But there are times where we'll make concessions to the buyer that will be made at closing. And that yeah. builds loyalty yeah. in spades. And then on the flip side, on the seller side, uh, Mr. Seller, we have had a long road together. We've had this clear example that happened right before the end of the year. Year and a half of trying to market an apartment that was a one of the most in our careers probably the most challenging apartment in our careers. And the seller had been loyal to us and they're going to buy another apartment with us. And Mr. Seller said, John, at the end of the day, I'll take this hit, which is so far further than where we are. Would you consider taking a hit on your side? And you know what I said? Without a doubt, absolutely. We value you tremendously. We're going to keep going together. They said, put the deal together and we closed the transaction. We never looked back. Yeah, you know they, what? They, I still managed to get my foot operated on and I called it a day. So now I'm able to walk and I just saw them today and I'm like, hello, how are you? Virtual hugs. We can't even hug anybody. But I mean, that went a long way and I'm hopefully yeah. going to be with them the rest of our, their lives. They're young, really, really mobile. And so that's, but it's, it's, they're at our discretion. Yeah. One thing that we are not to be done is be threatened. You do this or we're going to do this. We're not the right broker for you. Now, there was a time in our career that we would allow ourselves to be bullied around. But you know what? We go in with, if we can't fight back with the seller, how are we going to fight back with the crazy buyer or yeah. the broker that wants to throw a low bid in? Yeah. And we have to tell them no. So, yeah, if we get longer in this, this game, uh, you know, we. Longer in this game? What are you talking about? If we get longer in this game, we're long in this game. I'm telling you, retire next year. I didn't tell you that. Really long in this game. I'm going to get a walker to get up and up and down these steps. No, what's always interesting to me when it comes to concessions is that, and we've both had numbers of instances where we're sitting at a closing table, <laughs> and it comes down to like five hundred dollars, and then nobody um, wants to pay it. Oh. Nobody wants to pay it. Five hundred dollars because that light fixture was supposed to be there, and. You know, they took it and we didn't agree to that. And it's not even, it's a, you know, I, I think it has to do with, uh, it's a tangible amount of money. I remember early in my career, uh, this was before you and I partnered up and I was sitting and this was, so this was like 17, 16, 17, 17 years ago. Cause it was early, early. And it was one of the first closings I went to and it was three and a half million dollar apartment. And it was such a funky apartment. Uh, I remember it was at uh, East 47th Street, the Dag Hammerschold condominium. Uh, and uh, it was a massive apartment, had these huge fish tanks in it. It was really strange. And it came down to a $500 credit that they wanted some, some light was broken or something. And the seller who was taking a, a hit on the apartment um, but a hit on the apartment from the asking price, he was still making a bunch of money on the apartment. Wouldn't pay it. Just wouldn't pay it. Was willing to walk away. It was a very, it was a contentious divorce or something like that. 
and I can speak freely because I don't know what happened to these people. And it was a hell of a long time ago, hmm. but um, $500. And I remember calling because uh, I worked for a broker at Brown Harris at the time. I called her and I go, oh, they, you know, there's really, it was so tense. I was like, it's, it's well, what are they looking for? I was like, they want $500. And, you know, and I was a kid, I was 24 or whatever, 26 at the time or whatever. And she's like, pay them, just cut them a check and I'll reimburse you. And I was like, I don't know if I have $500, but <laughs> I'll, I'll figure it out. And we ended up taking it off the commission because the commission checks hadn't been cut yet or whatever. And I was like 300, I mean, $3.5 million deal. What's the percentage of on that, of $500? And it's always that case. That has not changed through my no. entire career. It's no. always a couple hundred dollars. And I think it's that tangible, like you say $500, people can visualize, what do I do with $500? I can go to a fantastic meal in, in the city. I can go to a show, blah, blah, blah. You talk about $3.5 million, it's almost like monopoly money. So the additional reason why people should hire us, the other reason, which we both hinted on, which is the board application, which, but be, even before that is qualifying a buyer. So the majority of our market being the cooperatives, they impose these financial restrictions on, uh, on buyers or financial qualifiers. So they use a couple different formulas, which we've talked about. You can watch whatever episode that was. We'll put it in the show notes. Labor intensive. Uh, it's labor intensive, but it's, it requires, like, I go back to that experience. It goes, it, everybody's financial profile is different. Yes. Do we run across the standard W-2 employee that has money in the ca in cash, in the bank, you know, and they have a 401k and they have an investment account? Sure. Yeah, those exist. But one of the things that's very interesting, but also very complicated in our neck of the woods, in our market is the, the, the financial profiles can be very, very vast and different um, depending on where they get their compensation and how do you qualify that buyer for a specific co-op, especially when you get to the co-ops on Park Avenue and Fifth Avenue, the ones that require, you know, uh, a lot more in liquidity. What does liquidity mean? Are they going to count this as liquidity? Uh, if you have a buyer that has side-by-side -side investments in a hedge fund or a uh, uh, some sort of banking uh, employee that gets stock options. How are those counted? So, you know, it, of the city. list goes on and on. And one of the big reasons why you hire a representative is to make sure that if we don't know, we know where to go to find out. So you can limit the, uh, the, the possibility of getting the dreaded board rejection, which is just a massive waste in time for everybody. Um, so that's the last thing we want. Have we had them? Yes. Everybody, every broker that's done any amount of business sure. has had a board rejection. Sure. And it typically 99% of the time, those board rejections are due to financial reasons. So, um, so that's the number one reason, uh, why you don't see FISBOs. FISBOs. What's a FISBO, John? For sale by owner. For sale by owner. So, even if they, you know, you have people that do these for sale by owners, but they don't have typically, they could, you know, unless they're sitting on the board or, or uh, have, which is a thankless job and not a lot of people enjoy going that route. But 
it's really challenging to know what is your board looking for. Most of the time, people have owned their apartments for five or 10 years. Their financials have changed a lot in those last five or 10 years, or they don't remember what they were like, or the board has changed hands. And like I said, if we don't know, just based on our experience in the building or in that particular co-op, we have colleagues and relationships with colleagues that have it. We may know colleagues that know the board uh, better than us that, that maybe just did a deal in the building and so on and so forth. So we can pull on those resources. And it all goes back to the insurance policy that ultimately keeps us from getting that board rejection um, and knowing that we're proceeding with somebody that's going to actually pass that board. And it's a great point. And I think that just to wrap up before we, we end the show is to say that um, as you accurately described, there are the hiring of a real estate agent, a qualified real estate agent is a very essential part of selling an apartment in New York City. Can it be done without? Sure. But it's simply not as efficient, not as effective, and ultimately doesn't get you the best market price, period. But working with a qualified broker like, like us will do so. And um, we have the track record to which backs that up. And we want nothing more than to work for anybody seller or a buyer, particularly in this market market. The buyers are jumping and the it's a buyer's market and the sellers, you want to sell your apartment? We are ready. Well, as always, John, a lot of information. Uh, yeah, I think you did very well. your expertise. Anyways, it was a pleasure to talk to you as you always. You too. If anybody any questions, reach out. We're around. You can find us. John and Jonathan Sell NYC. John, I will see you next week. Everybody stay safe, stay healthy. And And remain in gratitude. Remain in gratitude. Thanks for watching or listening to the John and Jonathan Sell NYC podcast. If you want to find us online or sign up to get our monthly and quarterly market stats, come on over to our website, johnandjonathansellnyc.com, or you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and everywhere else with the handle at johnandjonathansellnyc. And if you want to grab the show notes, just go to johnandjonathansellnyc.com slash podcast. If this show was entertaining, helpful, or informative, consider telling friends and family or leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those are some of the best ways of supporting our efforts, and we would greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in. We can't wait to share what's coming up next. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to make sure you don't miss our next episode, and we'll see you next time.